Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Well, things are coming, calming down from NFL owners' meetings. We want to talk about the Steelers' side of things. Art Rooney spoke, Omar Khan spoke, Mike Tomlin spoke, and there was a little bit of talk about the whole Steelers' coaching staff situation and why it hasn't gotten a chance to get bigger after we saw what happened to Brian Flores. We'll break that down as well as what we learned from the Steelers', Steelers view on personnel standpoint heading into the NFL draft right here on the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined today by Brian Batko. It's going to be a fun episode. Let's get into it. You are now listening to the North Shore Drive Podcast, a show on all things Pittsburgh sports from the writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, hosted by Christopher Carter. And welcome to the North Shore Drive Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, here from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, joined again today by Brian Batko, one of our esteemed Steelers beat writers here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, where you can get all your Post-Gazette content at post-gazette.com. If you want our podcasting content, you can go to anywhere on a podcasting app, search search the North Shore Drive, search the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, but especially look on YouTube. If you, can, if, you can, if you enjoy this video, like this video, subscribe to this channel to get all of our daily content that comes out here on YouTube. Also, you can get this show, the North Shore Drive Podcast, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, breaking things down on Pittsburgh sports. Um, and also, stay tuned. If you're a Penguins fan, it was a rough night Tuesday night. We're going to be breaking things down with Andrew Destin, who was there live to see the Penguins' problems in Detroit with the loss of the Red Wings. But before we get to that, we got to talk to Brian. Brian, you weren't on hand in owners' meetings. We had Jerry Dulac handling that business. But it was pretty clear some of the messaging that came out of it. And one of the things that was talked about was Mike Tama addressing the Steelers still having one of the smaller or the smallest coaching staff in the, in the NFL. And this was something that you and I talked about a little bit of a, a bit on this show. And Paul Zeiss also talked about here and how, you know, I was, I, I was wondering, is this still a philosophy of the Steelers, especially when they just up and added uh, Brian Flores, lots of Brian's that we've been talking about on this show lately. Um, he just up and added Brian Flores and into the group and how it did help the run defense. And it went from being the worst of the league to a top 10 unit this past year. And players credited Brian Flores with that. And it draws more question to why don't the Steelers commit, you know, commit to the idea of having more coaches on staff. And we got some you know, middling responses from the, from, from Tomlin uh, when he was asked about it. Yeah. And I think it's particularly noteworthy this off season too, Chris, because it's no secret, you know, a lot of people, whether uh, you know, fans who watch these videos and read our stuff or uh, reporters like like myself and Jerry Dulac and Ray Fittipaldo, a little surprised by the lack of a shakeup uh, on the offensive coaching staff. And I, I think it was kind of conventional wisdom, of, you know, for anybody who follows this team and saw what they did last year to say, if you're not going to move on from Matt Canada, shouldn't you at least try to enhance your offensive, uh, you know, minds at, at this point, uh, it's, uh, it's March 29th here and they haven't done that. So it's looking unlikely that there's going to be any sort of, uh, you know, big 
big, splashy offensive consultant hired or, or anything along those lines. Never say never. It's, you know, we're, we're a microwave society where we want everything quick. We want everything fast. Maybe Mike Tomlin's still turning over some stones there. But traditionally, by this point in the uh, league year, it would have happened already if they were going to make a move like that. So, I mean, that puts the the whole coaching personnel philosophy under the microscope even more. And honestly, Chris, I, I just didn't think that Mike Tomlin's answer on that front made a whole lot of sense. I, or if it did, at least I don't agree with it. I think the crux of his, you know, his address there was I'd rather overwork my coaches than underwork them. <laughs> Maybe he meant that somewhat facetiously, but he also said it to him. It, it gets difficult to have everybody on the same page. I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, the bigger your staff gets. So uh, they want to, you know, kind of that one voice culture, and it's easier to create that if you've got fewer cooks in the kitchen. I guess I can understand that logic, but if I'm not mistaken, I think the Eagles had 22 assistants beyond their head coach this past season. I think the Chiefs had 20 or 21. I didn't see uh, Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball out of bounds because he's hearing different things from different offensive people I didn't see uh you know the the Eagles uh offense failing to execute because they've got a lot of different voices in there I'm not a Mike Tomlin hater um I think on balance I'm I'm generally pro Tomlin but I just really disagree with him on this front uh it's kind of your job as a head coach is to get a staff no matter the size on the same same page and there's to me and we've like you said Chris we've discussed this before there are more advantages to building out your staff than there are disadvantages in my mind. And look, I get the the old premise that you know you don't want too many too, you don't want too many cooks in the kitchen that spoils the soup or like you know from I'm a big Marvel movie guy. If you go back and watch Civil War, you know T'Challa, the Black Panthers said two people in a room can get more done than than a hundred. Then his father said, unless you need to move a piano. And let's face it, the Steelers to make this offense through is going to be work. It's going to be like moving a piano because the, the the progress that they made last year was nil. And well, not nil. I will say they they did improve, but they need to take huge strides this year. And that's with a second year quarterback with an offensive line that you're still actively changing with all the interior offensive line moves that they've made. And we know they're going to be getting offensive tackles. You have young receivers, young young tight end, young running backs. I think that, this, that, you're, that you're right. They could invest more into doing this. Is, this. is this really a philosophy thing? Or do you think this is part of just, you know what, the, the Rooney's have said, you know what, hey, we're not – budging on we're not we're, we're capping how much we are spending on 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 coaches because this is just what 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 we budgeted is for this is what the organization's going to do and we're not breaking the budget to do that is that is that really what's going on there or is it literally just like hey we really believe this and we're not moving from this idea i mean you would hope it's not that and you know i'm not somebody who believes in bloat for the sake of bloat like i i mean it's it's football at the end of the day, uh, to your point, or to uh, to Black Panther's dad's point. Um, you know how many how many defensive coordinators do you need to change a light bulb? I mean, there's two things you can do in this game: you can run it or you can pass it. So, I, I you know I, I understand that sometimes this thing can be a lot more simple than we make it. But to me, it's not just about hey, it takes this many people to coordinate a passing offense or a run game. It's also the more bright 
minds that you get in here, maybe some younger ones, maybe some older ones, maybe who some who coached in this system or some who coached in that system, some who come from the college ranks, some who've always been in the pro ranks. The more people that you get looking at things, the more perspectives you get. Mike Tomlin always says he doesn't care where good ideas come from. It's it's not just about how many people does it take to formulate a game plan. I think if you've got more people in the room, you increase your chances of finding that next bright young star right. in coaching. And we've seen a lot of teams do that. And I bet there's going to be comments at the bottom of this video because I know there were comments at the bottom of my Steelers chat on Monday saying Mike Tomlin is a guy who has basically no coaching tree to speak of. So mm -hmm. I think sometimes that gets overrated a little bit. It doesn't matter what your tree is or what they do if your own team is winning. But Chris, you and I both know the Steelers aren't winning at the level that they used to. So I think what, what Tomlin also said it uh, down there in Phoenix was, you know, their agenda is their agenda. You've got to have enough people to make it work. Um, if they think they're falling behind, they'll address it. I guess they don't to this point, but um, come on, man. I mean, I also just don't understand the whole rather overwork them than underwork them. I mean, that, yeah, that that's the best line. I, I agree with you on that. Like that wasn't, the, that didn't come off as like, Okay, like this isn't a woe them more. You know, I'd rather say woe them sick a moment. This is more of like a like you. It's not about overworking anybody. It's 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 about just getting more ideas in the building and corralling those ideas into success. Which, like you said, they haven't had you know a lot of success. I think they've done well to hold up hold down the fort while they're transitioning into a new quarterback era. Like that's fine. But they they want to take the next step. It could take some outside the box thinking, and you don't get that by keeping the you know a smaller amount of coaches most of the time. Yeah, and, and on just like a peripheral note, I mean, wasn't it Bruce Arians who said that if one of his assistants ever, uh, you know, misses a big family moment or misses something with his kids because of work, he was just going to fire them because he just didn't think that that's where coaches' priorities need to be and that people have gone over the top with that uh, in, in coaching football. So, um, you know, I, maybe that is a drastic leap, but at the same time, you know, overworking coaches is something that I bristle at a little bit because uh, I think we do make it a little bit more than, you know, you don't need to be sleeping in your office 24 seven. And, you know, I, I'm not saying the Steelers are telling their coaches to do that, but uh, this whole idea of, you know, we need to work these guys around the clock rather than maybe have some downtime, maybe in your downtime, you could be putting together some sort of analysis or study of yeah. quarterback mobility, which Tomlin has said in the past that he's taken uh bi-week time, to study. So I, it, this is basically me saying Steelers, it might be time to, to keep up with the Joneses more than you normally do because that's not your MO, but um, Hey, maybe there are other factors here at play that we're not privy to, but from the outside looking in, it just seems like uh, they're, they're not really on the cutting edge here of, of this trend. I think it's a very fair question to ask, um, and you know the, the the continued results of the team. We'll see what they are, and if that'll continue to play a factor. But let's talk about some of the personnel things that they that they discussed at at the owners' meetings, then involving how they're going to handle this roster moving forward. And of course, 
The question at safety, which still has not been answered since Terrell Evans is now going to the Philadelphia Eagles, and there are safety options in this draft and in free agency. But before we do any of that, I'd love to talk to you guys about one of our great sponsors. That's GameTime.co. This is a chance for you to buy tickets from your favorite events and make it not a stressful endeavor, especially if you're going if you're buying them at the last minute. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater events right near you. You, you can get killer deals on killer deals on last minute tickets, and they and you get. Get their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have at your favorite event. If you download the Game Time app, it allows you to book tickets at the last minute if you didn't plan far out in advance. I'm not you all, but that happens to me all the time. Sometimes I miss that a group, that my favorite group's coming to town, or I just didn't think I'd be available. And then you're sitting there, well, wait, I can't afford these tickets. They're going to be last minute. They're going to be through the roof. But Game Time is here to help you find those tickets that are affordable and easy to get for you. You can get exclusive flash deals and tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, concerts comedy, theater, and much, much more. Game time guarantee means that you'll get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specright para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios. Snag the tickets without stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code PIT. That's P I T T PIT for $20 off your first purchase. Or go to their website, gametime.co. That's G A M E T I M E dot C O. Terms apply. Create an account and redeem code PIT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Back here on the North Shore Drive podcast, Chris Carter and Brian Brathbacko talking things Steelers here for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Now, Brian, one thing that was also addressed is what's going on at the safety position. As we know, uh, DeMonte KZ was signed back with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but Terrell Edmonds wasn't. He went to the Philadelphia Eagles and for a cheap contract that you know was very similar to what the Steelers signed him to last year. So it seems like there was a mutual parting of ways there. Terrell Edmonds bid Steelers fans goodbye. It didn't seem like there was a lot of bad blood there, but now it does leave a hole in the secondary uh, that already was probably being looked at to add a cornerback or two to the room in uh, in the NFL draft here. And Mike Tomlin talked about how, you know, there's options, or I think Mike Tomlin and Omar Khan both talked about how there's options in free agency and in the NFL draft at safety. But A, a lot of the safeties have been signed in free agency. I think there's only really two that even kind of make sense. And John Johnson, who was just with the Browns, and uh, Adrian Amos, who's been with the Packers and the Bears. Um, and then in the NFL draft, this isn't exactly – the most electric year for safeties. You have Brian Branch from Alabama, but he's more of a slot guy uh, when you look at his, his his versatility, and that's awesome. But you know, as far as traditional safeties, the the and box safeties, the way that Terrell Evans played, I'm not so sure there's guys who fit that exact role that are just floating out out there right now. What do you think is in play for the Steelers right now if they're actually going to make a move there? So Mike Tomlin was, I guess, bringing up Patrick Peterson's name in that mix to some degree. But I, I think that people might be misunderstanding that a little bit. I don't see 
You know, he's not going to play strong safety. No, he's, not, he's not the new safety. He's just like right. flex him to different like zone roles or things that might. Yeah, Cam Sutton would. Yeah. yeah, they'd roll Cam Sutton into the deep safety spot, too, when they would exactly. just disguise their coverages on the back end. I think that's the flexibility they're talking about with Patrick Peterson. As far as, you know, what they're going to do in the draft, I think this class might be a little bit underrated. I mean, I, I was uh, extolling the virtues last week of, of the some of the names beyond Brian Branch. I think Jordan Battle, his Alabama teammate, has yes. a lot to like. I think the Browns, Sydney from Illinois, and Jair from Penn State could step right in and, and help you out there. So, I mean, th- those those guys I think are decent. Um, but the other thing I'm curious about here, and, and you mentioned John Johnson, He's a good NFL veteran. I mean, there's a reason he got big money from the Browns a couple years ago. He's versatile. He has played more of a deep safety role to this point. But I think you you line him up next next to Mika Fitzpatrick and you can figure it out. On that note, Mike Tomlin made, I, I think, a good point that, that a lot of people overlook down there at owners' meetings is that the Steelers' scheme now is a lot more interchangeable with their safeties than what it used to be back in the day. Not just for Pittsburgh, but for every team. Um, you know, offenses have become so sophisticated that you're not just rolling out there your thumper at strong safety and your rangy guy at free safety and saying, go to work. Go <laughs> If they run it, you come up. If they throw it, you get in the deep post. Uh, it's, it's not that simple anymore. So you've got to have safeties who are capable of doing both. You've got to have a free safety who can fly up and run support, as we've seen Minka Fitzpatrick do. Probably no joke, hundreds of times <laughs> over the last three years. I mean, we all remember uh, the, the 2021 defense where he led the team in tackles, which is no bueno for a run defense. And, you know, we've we've seen Terrell Edmonds have to play coverage. Two mixed results, but, you know, maybe uh, he improved in that to some degree. Probably not as much as the Steelers would have liked to see. Otherwise, like you said, Chris, he wouldn't be uh, taking the turnpike for uh, $2 million, which barely covers your uh, – your fees these days when you're driving from <laughs> from Pittsburgh to Philly. So, um, yeah, I mean, the other uh, aspect of this that is, you know, maybe going overlooked a little is DeMonte KZ is back. I, he Again, he's not the traditional strong safety body type, but if you believe Mike Tomlin that, you know, in these two high defenses and everything that's asked of safeties these days, it's it's not really a one one guy over here, one guy over there. It's more of just two safeties uh, as opposed to free and strong, it's not as big a deal because they, they know what they can get out of KZ. They saw it last year. They saw him making plays on the ball. I saw him you know, flying around the field at training camp uh, to, to try to make this team from the get-go. I mean, he broke his arm making yeah. a tackle in the preseason. So mm-hmm. I guess that's a, <laughs> that's a double-edged sword. You, you love the uh, aggression there. You don't love maybe the frail – yeah, you don't love the frailty – uh, for what that's worth, but injuries happen. So uh, he's a decent bridge option to whomever they may get in the draft. Uh, I'm also just, when we talk about Patrick Peterson and his versatility, could he be a factor in the slot corner discussion? I mean, that I think is getting maybe not enough play. Last time I checked, that's a starter in 2023 NFL defense. Your slot corner. You are in nickel defense much more than you're in the base 3-4 or so. Um, you really have to replace that guy too. Could Peterson play inside here and there more than he has to this point in his career? You obviously don't have as many run-stopping responsibilities, but it's still a part of the job. 
Could Levi Wallace do that more than we saw in his first season with the Steelers? That's a conversation for another day, perhaps, but that's why the draft aspect of this is going to be an interesting puzzle for them to put together. If you're going to say you want to use two of your picks on the secondary, do you get a true outside corner and a true safety? Do you get uh, a guy who can play in the slot and a guy who can play outside corner? Do you think you're good at outside corner and you get a slot guy and a safety? Or do you try to get somebody who can do um, you know, multiples of those things? That's what I'm sure they'll, they'll have to evaluate as they get closer here. Multiples. You, Mike Tomlin's getting to you, man. <laughs> you can do multiples of the things. He loves that word, multiples. Personally, I think it, it, it works too. But I, I'm right with you. Today's day and age of the passing game in the NFL opens the door for you need to have you need to have a versatile secondary that can play so many different roles. That's why Cam Sutton was such a value. I think that's why the, the Lions were willing to pay him what they did because you need a guy that can not only. Be, you know, be your guy on the outside, lock things down, be responsible, but who can bump to the slot, who can help BB backs off and, and communicate with his safeties. And Terrell Austin, who used to be this team's DB coach, and now he's the defensive coordinator, I think he gets that. And I think he wants a guy that can that can do that. And that's why I'm very intrigued to see how, this, how the Steelers approach this with who they might get in the draft or if they get someone in free agency, because like you said, KZ, I mean, on top of the, the break in his arm thing in preseason, I, I still remember the biggest hit I saw all of training camp came when there weren't any pads on, when he absolutely demolished Calvin Austin and Calvin over the middle. Yeah. Afterwards. But I was just like, geez, like they're not even wearing pads yet. Like, calm down. Like it's, it's not that serious. And Tom and Tomlin said that about KZ uh, down at owners meetings that they love his, his spirit, his competitive fire. I, I mean, I witnessed that on a daily basis in that locker room. So uh, he's uh, what, what is he? 29 or 30, but he's a young uh, 29 or 30. So yeah, um, he, 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 I think that he's a guy that they're expecting can continue to contribute in some solid ways uh, for more than a year. I think that he could be, yeah. a, and they, they only signed him to a short deal, but, um, but he's a guy that if he keep, if he plays well this year, I wouldn't be surprised if they signed him to another one year deal. After and if that. the wheels fall off, you just, you move on and, and on. no harm, no foul. So, and, you know, Arthur Millette is in this conversation, but He's really he doesn't do much for me in coverage. Uh, he's really he's basically like a safety playing the nickel position there. Um, if you're in a big boy game against the Ravens and the Browns, give him some snaps and you know he'll he'll come up and smack some people. But right. uh, tra- you know Trey Norwood too. I think uh, more he's somebody to help you out in the dime because of his versatility. But don't really see him as an every snap player. So that's why I still view the slot corner role uh, as as a vacancy essentially going into the draft. And something to watch here for guys like Emmanuel Forbes, who, by the way, is scheduled for a top 30 visit with the Steelers moving forward. He's a guy that I think could be an interesting uh, person to add there. And plus, we've seen the Steelers prioritize getting turnovers. They got rid of their, their linebackers who didn't contribute with a single turnover this year. They went, they went and got Patrick Peterson, who had five interceptions last year. Uh, they, 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 they're, I think they're prizing guys. They let go Terrell Evans but kept Demonte KZ, who's older and didn't have as much experience, experience with the team. To me, this signifies... They want to create turnovers. That's what they want to do in today's NFL. And maybe they want guys who fit into that mold. We'll keep discussing this as this keeps building out. We have to switch topics, though, because Andrew Destin has a lot to say about the Pittsburgh Penguins and their uh, their late-night loss to the Detroit Red Wings. It was depressing. Penguins fans... We'll see what it, we'll see what's going on here because Andrew was on hand in Detroit. There's a lot to talk about their playoff hopes and everything. We'll get to that right here in a minute on the North Shore Drive podcast. Stay tuned. We'll be right back.
We're back here on the North Shore Drive podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, joined now by Andrew Destin, who's on the road for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, covering the Pittsburgh Penguins in a heartbreaker last night. Tuesday night, the Penguins, they were back and forth. It was looking like a real battle. And then things fell apart again in the third period. They gave up four goals in the four, in, in the third period. It, it's been a theme this year, Andrew. And now they've they've lost yet again seven to four as the final score to the Red Wings. They still hold it on to their playoff spot, and we'll get to that. But why why can't this team figure out just how to finish games? It's driving people crazy. Right. There's so many things that have been brought up, and all of them, to me, seem like they have valid uh, valid arguments. One being that this is one of the oldest teams in hockey, that they run out of steam when you get to the third period, which to me seems a little counterintuitive, because you'd think a team that's as veteran as they are would have experience with closing up games and know how to play a game as a marathon, play a season as a marathon, all that sort of stuff. Um, that certainly hasn't been the case. They have not looked like the more polished, the more savvy team uh, most more often than not in third periods. And yesterday's was a little bit different recipe, right? Because usually it's, you know, they go into the third with the lead and manage to blow it, and then it's either a coin flip of if they pull out the comeback or if they ultimately fall in uh, epic fashion, as they did to the Red Wings back at the end of December, a game where they were up 4 nothing after one and lost 5-4. to four. Um, Had a chance to get them back for that, but the third period, it continues to be that all the same issues came to uh, keep seeming to come up. You have turnovers in the defensive zone, defensemen not playing in a coordinated effort, and they had reinforcements yesterday. Jeff Petrie was back, you know, didn't you know wow anybody by any means. It's not to say that he played bad, but um, you know, it didn't seem like a noticeable difference, and it seemed like it finally started to come up, with, uh, catch up with the Penguins, deploying some of these guys like a Mark Friedman who took two first period penalties. Had been playing solid since uh, being an emergency recall, but for the most part, uh, defense really let Casey DeSmith down in front. And unlike previous starts when Casey had compensated for maybe some of the Penguins' defensive woes like he did against Washington, uh, certainly certainly not the case last night. No. Uh, 18, goal, 18 saves on 24 shots, six goals allowed as a save percentage of just 75%. Is this just who Casey DeSmith has always been? Is just this wildly inconsistent? Like, he has some really big wow moments. You're like, how did he do that? Maybe he's figured it out. And then he has nights like this where, like, so especially some of those those late goals he allowed that allowed the Red ones to tie it and then to take the lead. And, like, five seconds later, it felt like it just it seems like it's like, how, how do you go from this to that? Is that just who Casey DeSmith is? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. It's just who he is, and I, I think there's a lot of factors at play. And one that I think, you know, to be brought up is you look at the frame. People always talk about Casey being an undersized goalie at six foot 181. Uh, I think yesterday was a perfect, perfect example of how that can come and impact the guy. You might think that a couple inches might not matter a whole lot, but a lot of those goals, you look at them, it's they were constantly going top shelf. Red Wings, David Perron, I think it was all three goals. He was either going over to Smith's left shoulder or right shoulder. That's just a perfect example of not being tall enough. Um, you know, another goal where it bounced off Mark Friedman and the errant shot that uh, bounced off him and into the net. You know, DeSmith not big enough, uh, not seeing it. And so the reason that Casey succeeds when he does is he sees the puck really well and he's able to overcompensate for maybe some of those deficiencies he has. But if he's not quite on his game, the results can be pretty ugly and he's not going to be able to bail out a team. And I think you're absolutely right, Chris. This is just who Casey is, an inconsistent goalie who, when he's on, he's on, and he can really help you out as a backup who can win maybe half the starts or a little bit below that, 
and, uh, you know, get some surprising wins, like a road victory against a top four team in the conference, but also in a game where you really need it against Detroit, a squad that at one point, maybe a month ago, thought they had a shot in the playoffs. Now they don't. Um, you know, that, that's a game the Penguins have to have. And I think they know that. And Casey certainly knew it after the game, usually in quite the bubbly mood. Uh, certainly was not the case last night, and rightfully so. Is this on the Penguins front office for this goalie situation that they have right now? Because you have Casey Smith, who's inconsistent, and then Tristan Jari, who is inconsistently available. And, you know, because Tristan Jari, I think people have more confidence in him when he's in net, but it's tough to keep him in net because he keeps sustaining injuries. And, you know, you have that on top of the Penguins' defensive line problems right in front of them. Yeah, I think a little bit has to be on the front office on this one. And, and, you know, uh, some of it you have to say, well, who could have predicted this? But you go back to last year in the playoff run and say, well, the injuries were starting to pile up at NetMinder, and they elected and said, hey, we're good with status quo. We're going to run it back with essentially the same team, A couple, aside from a couple of switches, bringing in Jeff Petrie, like, uh, like I mentioned. But other than that, you know, from the defensive standpoint and goalie, they said we're rolling with Jared and rolling with the Smith, and – the results have been exactly what they've been. Um, DeSmith has maybe played as expected. I don't think he's been the problem, especially as a backup. Um, but he's also made a career-high number of starts and appearances this year. Last night, I believe, was his 31st start. Um, Tristan Jari's made about the same number of them. That's not a winning recipe if you're looking to go far in this playoff run. And um, Jari, when he's been healthy earlier in the year, certainly was effective. But you really look at it since the calendar turned over, to, uh, turned over at the new year. Uh, just hasn't been there for the team, and uh, part of that you got to say, well, may- maybe this should have been seen. Maybe this shouldn't be treated as so unexpected. And oh, injuries have piled up, and how poor for the Penguins who could have seen this coming. Well, there were kind of some breadcrumbs. There were breadcrumbs there. I mean, this is something we talked about, the potential of this happening down the stretch there, and if Ron Hextall and them would make moves to to prevent them. But also, we know the salary cap situation that they were in going into this year and into the trade deadline didn't exactly help them, you know, prepare her, you know, didn't help them kind of have the maneuverability to avoid this situation. So lots of questions as far as that there. But let's get to the big question that Penguins fans are sitting there holding on to. The Penguins, of course, currently hold the longest playoff streak in sports right now with, uh, with, with I think, what, 16 years it's been, it's been since they've missed the playoff. And they're currently holding on to the last playoff spot in the East right now. They have 82 points right behind them is the Florida Panthers at 879 points. The Sabres have 77, add to the Ottawa Senators, and the Capitals have 76. There's now eight games left for the Penguins to kind of seal a deal and, and lock themselves in here. Andrew, how confident should Penguins fans feel that they're going to hold on to that eighth spot or even get to the seventh spot with the Islanders only three points ahead of them? to kind of put them in a position to actually make the playoffs and at least have some postseason hockey to, hockey to enjoy. Yeah, the seventh spot seems a little bit difficult to get to, and that's not because the Islanders are a drastically better team than the Penguins, but we're just talking strictly numbers at this point. And three points over an eight-game stretch, the Islanders have been playing pretty darn well over the last month. Um, that's going to be a tough team to catch, and especially just given – the situation that they have in net with Ilya Sorokin, which is in stark contrast to what the Penguins have. Uh, as any hockey fan knows, I mean, down the stretch, you, you rely on your goalie when things aren't going well in other places. And the Islanders have certainly been able to do that as they battle their own injuries. Um, in reality, I think this is just a two-team race for that eighth spot, which, and honestly, you and I mentioned this earlier, could be a moot point because of the boogeyman that's waiting at the end in the Boston Bruins. <laughs> So it, it might all just be for another first-round playoff exit. But for the sake of the argument, 
Um, this Florida Panthers team, which took a giant step back this season uh, after some offseason turnover, after a really good campaign last year, that's the only team really I think the Penguins do really need to worry about. Um, certainly the Sabres have a game in hand and can get two more points in their next time out. But with both the Penguins and Panthers sitting with eight more games to play, the Penguins really do have a favorable schedule down the stretch. I mean, you look at it, just to run through real quick, Nashville, Boston, and Philly at home, at New Jersey, home against Minnesota, at Detroit, home Chicago, and at Columbus. I mean, you got to think five of those are probably coming away with wins, and the only ones that really seem like difficult contests uh, would be Boston at New Jersey. Uh, maybe you could say Minnesota. I mean, that's another one, certainly a team that's, you know, on the verge, playoff contention and all that sort of stuff. But the road ones, I mean, traveling at Detroit again, what should be a win on paper, and at Columbus, another one that certainly should be a win on paper. If you're a Penguins fan, you feel confident going into this eight-game stretch, but uh, anything's possible. Um, and this Panthers team has the firepower, certainly on the offensive side, to get hot and get on a win streak here. So um, the two teams don't meet, which for the Penguins' sake is uh, very important, but Three points in eight games, it's going to be tight down the stretch. I think the Penguins will be okay, but uh, they're, they're going to make people get some gray hairs with this one. They're coming home to play Nashville Thursday night. That's going to be their next contest. Then they have the Bruins at home this Saturday. Then they get the Flyers, Devils, Minnesota. They get the, they, they're back in Detroit on the 8th of April, the Blackhawks, and then finish everything with the, with the Blue Jackets. Their schedule there. Like you said, that's it's going to be interesting to see. Can they rally? Can they avoid dropping some of these losses to a, a team like the Red Wings, who in the standings is 13th in, in in the East right now? Those teams like them, the, the Blue Jackets and the Flyers, all are kind of must-win games if they're going to hold on to things and not slip away and fall out of the playoff standings. We'll see if they do, and you can get all your, your Penguins coverage here at the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us here. I know you got to get on the road so you can get back to Pittsburgh uh, from Detroit. We'll let him do that. And thank you all for tuning in to the North Shore Drive podcast from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Thanks again to Brian Batko and Andrew Destin talking Steelers and Penguins. We'll be back on Friday, breaking all things down Pittsburgh sports, getting ready for the weekend and how things look after owners' meetings have, have concluded and the Penguins try to continue their push. And also, baseball's back. Lots to talk about. Stay here with the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette with, at post-gazette.com. Subscribe to get all the coverage we have. And if you want to check out all our podcasting content, you can do it on any podcasting app, but especially on YouTube like this video if you enjoyed it. Subscribe to this channel to get all of our daily content that comes out on YouTube, especially the Monday, Wednesday, Friday episodes of the North Shore Drive Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the North Shore Drive Podcast of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. If you're watching this video on YouTube, please like the video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For six months of digital access to post-gazette.com for just $6, click the link down below in the description. Llegaron los Propane Days a Lowe's. Desde ahora hasta el 16 de junio, los miembros MVPs de Lowe's reciben un 20% de reembolso en pintura con una tarjeta de regalo electrónica de Lowe's por compras de pinturas elegibles de 100 dólares o más. Lleva la nueva y exclusiva pintura HGTV Home de Sherwin-Williams Specride para interiores. Lowe's sabe de pros. Aplican exclusiones, restricciones y más términos. Visita Lowe's.com diagonal L diagonal Pro Loyalty Terms. Sujeto a cambios.